Welcome to the Commons Cast. We're glad to have you here. We hope you find something meaningful in our teaching this week. Head to commons.church for more information. What's interesting is that this fall also marks our fifth year together as Commons Church, which has been a pretty remarkable journey so far. We're actually celebrating this year for the first time being a church in two parishes. And we've got some really fun stuff planned as we continue to journey through this story of Jesus that we have all been invited into. And before we start, though, today, we want to begin our new season together by acknowledging Calgary as the traditional territory of the Blackfoot and the people of the Treaty 7 region here in southern Alberta. And this includes the Siksika, the Pikani, the Kainai, the Sutina, the Stony Nakoda First Nations, including the Chiniki, Bearspaw, and Wesley First Nations. Nations. Calgary is also home to the Métis Nation of Alberta Region 3, and it is a privilege for us to meet and to worship together in a space on this land. Now, today, as we launch into a new season and a new church year, as I said earlier, hopefully you were able to pick up a journal and had a chance to flip through and see a little bit of where we're headed. And before we jump in, I want to highlight a few of the upcoming moments that we're looking forward to already. This fall, we are actually going to be receiving another refugee family. You can actually see their photo in the journal, and we're going to be helping them get their feet under them here in Calgary. And if you are interested, there's lots of ways that you can jump in and help. Just head over to commons.life, and you can find a way to get involved there. But then later on in the fall, we're going to move towards Christmas. We're going to start expanding our refugee focus and start looking at new areas of the world where we can maybe do our part to help those in need. And then in addition to those global partnerships, we're going to continue with our connection with Hands at Work. We're going to continue with International Justice Mission. And we're going to continue to build local partnerships here in Calgary, including here in Inglewood. And this is one of the things I'm really excited about this year, seeing our young parish extend itself to help and to strengthen local partners here in this neighborhood as a part of our vision to live with justice and renewal at the center of all that we do. And then, while all of that's happening, we're going to continue to have dinner parties. We're going to continue to meet in home groups. In fact, home groups will continue to be a central part or focus of our team here. And on Sundays, we're going to continue to dive into a new year of learning together. So next week, we're actually going to jump into a new short series called The Problem with Prayer. And we're going to spend some time talking about prayer. What is it? How does it work? What are we actually doing when we speak to God? Because honestly, there's a lot more mystery here than sometimes we're willing to admit. And I wouldn't doubt that some of us actually wrestle with whether or not we're actually doing it right. So we're going to use Jesus's prayer, which is sometimes called the Lord's Prayer. We're going to use that section of text as our guide because Jesus actually gives this prayer to his friends When they asked him, how do we pray? So we want to pray and we want to learn how to do it well. And as we attempt to align ourselves with God's action in the universe, this prayer is a perfect place to start. And after that, we're going to jump into a series called Simply Joseph. And this is a continuation of some of the work that we've been doing in the Hebrew Bible over the past few years. We've already talked about Abraham, we've talked about Jacob, And this year, we're going to move into the story of Joseph. 
And there is a ton of really good material in this story. In fact, it's one of my favorite story arcs in all of the scripture because it has everything in it. There's politics, there's family dynamics and dysfunction, there's surprising role reversals, what Tolkien calls eucatastrophes. And I love that this pops up in the story of this Old Testament character. There's so much going on and we're gonna wade into it all. And after that, obviously, we hit Christmas. And we've got some big things planned for Advent, Christmas Eve, where we'll come together again as Commons Church across the city. And then in January, we're going to talk about friendship, which might seem like an odd series. But the thing is, the last couple of years, we actually have already been talking about living with others well. We've discussed forgiveness. And we've talked this last year about loneliness and how it shapes our lives in various ways. Well, now we need to talk about the skill of discerning and investing and building into all of the different kinds of friendship that we need in order to thrive as human beings. So this discussion of friendship will take us through the end of January and I'm gonna invite you to pick up your journal. You can carry on and check out the rest of what our story looks like for the rest of the year. And we are so excited for it. We put a lot of work into getting this together for you and planning this way each year. And we do this because we think about the rhythms of a year as a community. We're thinking about the experiences and the needs that are present to various people around us. But we're also trying to think about a long-term teaching cycle that sometimes stretches out four, five, six, even seven years where we try to create a really robust approach to the breadth of the scripture that's available to us. And here at Commons, we are fascinated with this complex and beautiful collection of texts that we call the Bible. It guides us, it challenges us as a community, and honestly, sometimes it also confuses and confounds us, right? But ultimately what it does is it invites us to encounter Jesus, And this is really important because while we talk about putting Jesus at the center, we we do love the Bible, but we worship Jesus. And so in everything that we do from our teaching series to our refugee and our neighborhood efforts to the Christian calendar and the elements like Eucharist and prayers that we invite each other to each week, all of it is meant to help us encounter the living, breathing word of God that walked around in Palestine 2,000 years ago. And if there's anything we know about the divine, anything that we know about God, it comes to us in Jesus. For us, absolutely everything we read and we study and encounter in the Bible, all of it needs to be filtered through what we see in Jesus. And that's really our goal as a community, that if our imagination of God doesn't look like the grace and the peace that we see in Christ, well, then we need to look and we need to pray for courage to reimagine all of it. Which is a pretty amazing manifesto for year five together, right? Now, today, we're not starting up a series. We're gonna save that for next week. And today is sort of a one-off as we set the stage for a new year. But before we do that, let's pray together and then we'll get going. Join me now. Oh, gracious God, creative and sustaining force of all, You are here in this space and we are joined together. Our stories brought to a moment where we represent just a small part of your hopeful presence in the world. And already we've been invited, all of us 
to the table where each of us is known and welcomed. And we're especially grateful on this Lodge Sunday for the story of our community, of your faithfulness to us in all of it. And we pray this morning that you would give us new eyes to see the unfolding future. And we pray that you would give us new awareness of the needs that are present in our hearts and in our homes and in our neighborhoods. And for fresh courage to pray and to speak and to serve well. All so that your great goodness is known and seen and felt. And we ask, where we are weak, be our strength today. And where maybe we are distracted or anxious, be our peace. Where we are tired, be our rest. Found in the faces and hands and hearts of those we see here today, we ask in the name of Christ, Amen. All right, great. Today, in line with this megaphone symbolism that you'll see in our artwork, we're going to be talking about words, speaking them, hearing them, finding them, and talking about the voices that craft them. And as I mentioned a second ago, this Sunday represents a little bit of an exception to the way that we teach here at Commons, because we tend to walk through a theme or a character or a text and give it some time to speak to us. And it's a lot of fun doing that together. But then it's also fun to, a couple of times a year, to step out of that mode and to sort of recalibrate ourselves. To be reminded of the commitments and the values that we share. And to zoom out a little and to see the topography of the life that we're in together. And then in the process of doing that, we're able to take up the things that we want to matter most to us. And this is good for a couple of reasons. First, for one, we all have different stories. And so we all come to community for different reasons and with different perceptions of why we do what we do. But then, of course, there's the fact that we all come to commons at different entry points. And some of us have been around this community since before it was called Commons Church. And some of us have arrived more recently. Some of us have just come today. And guess what? I'm no exception to that difference. It's actually hard to believe that just two years ago, exactly, is when Darlene and I, with our kids, we walked into this community. And it seems like just yesterday that our family was stranded in northern Ontario with a broken van and black bears in our campsite, and I was texting Jeremy saying, yeah, I don't think we're going to make it for launch. And the fact is that two years ago, we arrived with very different feelings than we hold today. And where we came with a sense of nervous excitement and with a sense that maybe here we might be able to stretch and to grow towards who we felt we should be, now this feels like home. And we hold a deep love and appreciation for how this shared journey together brings out the best in us and I hope it brings out the best in you too. And the point is that we all find ourselves on that spectrum of experience where some of us might still be searching for connection, while others of us can't imagine being part of any other community, any other place. And when you think about it, that's true all the time, in all kinds of places, and everywhere that people gather together. And that's why I love the organic process of planting, starting, and growing community, where we choose to be present to the haphazard ways that our lives seem to come together and how grace is present to us in the timing and the randomness of that. But it's our diverse paths 
and our convergence here in this community that make days like this so important. Where in the cycle of living that brings us together again, we start and begin anew. And we consider just who it is that we are and who we are invited to become. Which is why it seems only fitting that we pick up a text that's all about beginnings. So let me read you a few verses and then we'll explore them a little bit together. Okay, so we're going to pick up the epistle of 1 John where we read this. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked at and our hands have touched, this we proclaim concerning the word of life. The life appeared and we have seen it and testify to it and we proclaim to you the eternal life which was with the Father and has now appeared to us. And we proclaim it to you what we've seen and heard so that you can have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with God the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And we write this to make our joy complete. So, maybe a little cryptic, but just a couple things here. First of all, you may remember, some of you have keen ears and you know the, you know the Bible really well. You're going to remember that we spent a few weeks in this text a couple years ago in the fall. And as always, if you need a refresher on anything that we've talked about before, head over to our podcast, go to our YouTube channel, and you can find all the content you need for days. But secondly, there's a few points of content that I want to make right now about these verses. And these verses are actually part of a group of texts that are right at the end of the Christian Bible. And they're attributed to this guy named John, who was one of Jesus' closest followers. And then they're attributed to the community that grew up around this guy named John, his friends, and then his story that he told, and then also the teaching that he gave. And there's lots of scholars that think this. But one of the main reasons they do is because of the language that's used in these texts. The first hearers of the verses that I just read to you wouldn't have missed the echoes of how John starts his gospel. John's gospel starts, in the beginning was the word. Which of course was a text that would have sparked its Jewish imagination or the Jewish imagination of the audience to remember the first words of the Hebrew scriptures in the book of Genesis where it says that in the beginning, God created. So what's all this beginning talk about? Well, see, the words that stories start with matter. And they signal what kind of story we're reading. Not unlike when we're reading a fairy tale or telling one, we start by saying once upon a time, which helps people to know that they're listening to a fictitious story. Or how if someone in passing conversation says a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away, they're obviously a Star Wars junkie and you should start planning your exit strategy. So when the author of 1 John says that which is from the beginning, he's telling his audience what kind of story he's telling. And it's no secret that the early Christian community saw their experience with Jesus referenced here in these verses. They saw it as tracing all the way back to the very essence of all things. And they came to realize that the things that they'd heard Jesus say, the stories he told, the way his voice inflected as he cared for a woman with terminal illness or a grieving father or a curious child, the way that he confronted systems of power loudly and he tried to make a way for people who had been excluded for God's, from God's goodness, that same voice had made all things, and it was sustaining all things, and it was renewing all things. 
which is, when you think about it, it's kind of what we say when we make a big deal about Jesus. And it's what you're saying if you've come to trust Jesus in some way in your own life. Along with the first followers, you're confessing that Jesus is the best expression of what's most beautiful and compelling in this story that we are part of. And what's amazing about that is that for all of its grandness, it's still small enough to be concerned with any and every human heart. And which is why I love being part of a community that always comes back to Jesus. Now, what's interesting is that when we look back at the people that would have heard a letter like 1 John, we see that they had already started the work of building their community around this idea of Jesus being the word of God, the spoken voice of God in the world. And as they centered themselves on Jesus' life and his teachings, they were participating in a bit of a divine repair project where ultimately even our image of God could be recovered from stories of anger and judgment or from narratives of self-loathing and failure. And where, like they did, we would begin to hear God's kind invitation into full and vibrant life. And chances are, if you're familiar with the story of Jesus today, it's because someone modeled this well. Have you ever thought about how your journey of faith is actually tied to the voices and the actions of other people? To the parents, to the teachers, the friends, the partners, or even strangers that spoke of God in a way that you had never considered, or maybe in a way that captured your imagination? And have you ever thought about how the things you've heard about God, the things that you've seen done to represent the divine, that these things have a way of mapping onto your spiritual habits and practices, for better or for worse, right? And thinking about this really brings home this idea that the ways that we speak about God matter. And guess what? This truth pops up in this text that I was reading for you today. First, because as Jamie Clark Souls notes, First John doesn't have the markings of other New Testament letters. Rather, she contends that it's constructed much more like a vocal performance than a piece of literature. It's, it's more spoken word riff than well-crafted letter to the editor. Which means that the power of its message may have been in the voice that carried it and in how people heard it. And then isn't it amazing how the author talks about, and I'm using Eugene Peterson's translation here, he, he says, we saw Jesus, we heard him, and now we're telling you so that you can experience this new life along with us. Or have fellowship, the NIV says. And the Greek term translated fellowship here, it just literally means to have something in common. To experience something together, like Peterson says. And this is such a beautiful picture of what the church is supposed to be at its best since its inception in those earliest communities, the church was always intended to be the voice that tells us the right story about God and the right story about ourselves. A voice that speaks to us of divine love and inviting us to share that in common, together in all of our differences. Which makes stories like Mita's, which we saw earlier in the video, so profound. 
Because in her experience, I think we hear a reflection of who we want to be here at Commons. On one hand, we want to learn to tell the divine story well because there is something redemptive that comes to all of us in the hearing. And we do this in the way that we study and interpret the scriptural texts. And we want to continue growing in our ability to do this with intellectual clarity and honesty, extending the story of Jesus and God's redemptive work into the world around us. But we also want to do this in the prayers that we write with care and in the ways that we invite each other into contemplative rhythms and practices and in our efforts to realize the latent spiritual passion that stirs in all of us as we connect around a dinner table or we meet in home groups, or we serve together in the city. Now, thinking about how to tell the story well is just part of what we need to consider today. Certainly, this is important for us at Commons, but so too is our desire to hear each other well. And it's interesting because there are some hints of how to do this in a passage that's a little later than what I wrote to you, or what I read to you, where we see the ancient author trying to help the early church support each other along the way. And if you read to the end of the last chapter, you see a description of the divine as the source of light that guides and keeps us. And then the author says this, he says, my dear children, I am writing this to you so that you will not sin. And this is a curious idea if you think about it. Because it appears the author's telling the story of Jesus and then saying, look, I'm telling you this so that you can be perfect. And the truth is that some of us have experienced Christian community that had those kinds of expectations. Maybe you grew up in a tradition that taught you implicitly that following the rules was essential to earning divine love or at the very least to earning your place in the group. Or maybe you learned through some difficult experiences to hold yourself to high standards as a way of protecting yourself from failure and disappointment. Or perhaps if you really think about it, you realize that you do kind of believe that the people who behave better and sound better and achieve better are better. They're better people. They're better at this faith thing than you are. But that's not what's going on here in the text. See, if you keep reading, you see that the author is really just trying to encourage his friends towards a way of living that's based on divine kindness. He says that while we do fail and we make a mess of things, we have Jesus as an advocate. Jesus is the reassuring divine voice to us that even in our worst moments, we are still held by God's goodness. And maybe that leaves you asking, so which is it? Which voice am I supposed to hear? Be perfect? Or in Christ you are found and you are known and you are secure? I think that in the tension between those two things, we can learn something about the kind of community we can become. Because obviously in writing these words, John didn't mean that his friends should expect to achieve perfection. No, what he was performing for his friends was a kind of invitation and a call towards wholeness and a better version of themselves. 
And this is the kind of call that we all need to hear when we are busy replaying the old mental tapes that tell us that we're never going to get it right. And this is the kind of community we are when we invite each other towards generosity. When we invite each other into our homes and we make safe places for each other to be vulnerable. And when we invite each other to live in the world with intention, attending to the issues, local and global, where justice is desperately needed. Because when we call each other to those things and we speak those things to each other, we don't impose some toxic list of rules where if you don't or you can't, you can't belong or you're somehow less than. No, we speak these things to each other because we believe that everybody's story has value. And because of this, we invite each other towards what that could mean at its best. Because see, John concludes this section by saying to his friends, he says, look, you want to know that you've heard the right message about Jesus? You want to know that you have the right kind of religion? You want to know that you're on the right path? Live like Jesus lived. Which sounds like a bit of a tall order, right? Except I think that we actually hear that the wrong way a lot of the time. We hear it as some impossible divine expectation that we need to get better. When in fact, it's just an invitation to be. Where Jesus' life might have been exemplary, exemplary, but it doesn't make it impossible or inaccessible or out of reach, because it was normal, his life was. It was daily, and it was difficult, just like yours and mine, which means that to live like Jesus is to be who and where we already are. And there, community isn't just where we don't hear things right, but where we also learn to speak rightly too where we find our voice and it joins with others to tell a beautiful story. And what might that look like? Well, here at Commons, we talk a lot about the fact that we're in a conversation, how our community is actually a collection of voices grappling with ideas and searching for language and trying to find ways to participate in the divine story, which is what John was talking about. And over the coming year, perhaps you might feel invited to engage this conversation more directly. Maybe in scheduling some coffees or some brunches with someone to share your story, to hear theirs, to encourage and speak well to each other. Or maybe in taking the next step, joining a home group where we join in conversation all the time, where you hear others and you add your voice to the myriad of those who are finding the way of Jesus in the mix of everyday mess and ups and downs. Or maybe you'll join us for one of the opportunities where we will hear the voices of those outside our community. In events like our weekend university or the blanket exercise that we're hosting this fall or in the film screenings that we regularly schedule. And whatever the case, I hope that you'll find that these conversations in them, you'll start to hear the right story about who God is and who you are. Where our imperfect stories remind you that the way of Jesus isn't so far from your own frail and flawed way of living in the world.
And that with those reminders, you'll begin to discover your own words for this grand narrative that we share. Words that you'll offer to all of us in your career, in your creativity, in your normality, in your serving, in your straining, in your seeking, and in your making of homes and friendships and families because that's what the church is for. To be a place where in the middle of all life brings us, we're reminded of the beauty found in what we share, whispered and shared with each other, with honesty and passion, not unlike what we see in Jesus. Let's pray together. Oh gracious God, you are present to us now in the sacrament of community where your grace presses in on us even as our friends look at us with sincerity and we hear the voices that call us towards your way. A way maybe for some of us that seems really unfamiliar and distant this morning, but a way to which we are all invited to just the same. And so I pray even now, would you teach us to trust your goodness? I pray that you would give us imagination and clarity to speak well of you. I pray that you would give us courage and grace to listen well to each other, encouraging each and every one to find our voice in everyday life. For the sake of your goodness, for light in the world, we thank you in this moment now, in the name of Christ and by the Spirit. Amen.